The mind by nature is radiant and pure, the Buddha said. It is shining. It is because of visiting forces known as defilements that we suffer. It is because of visiting forces known as defilements that we suffer. Do you believe that? If we consider that, the words of the Buddha may have some wisdom to them, and we really take that in, we would want to know, well, what are these defilements that are causing me to suffer? And what is the danger of them? How can I work with them? And, and what's the benefit of working with them? What's, is there any way to understand them? If we ask the question, what are the defilements? That word defilement, you know, a lot of people kind of cringe when they hear that word, they kind of they kind of back off. You know, it's got that Old Testament feel of like real hellfire brimstone stuff. Defilements, whoa, you know. And maybe Senator Utejania has a little different understanding. You know, don't look down on defilements; they will laugh at you. Somewhere between the two is the translation for the Pali word kalesa. It's the kalesas that visit the mind and cause us to suffer. The kalesas are often translated as torments. Which do you prefer? Torments or defilements? <laughs> In any case, they make us miserable. That's the nature of defilements. That's the nature of the torments. That's the nature of kalesas. The defilements are those thoughts, feelings, moods, beliefs that we know, that we have, that we feel, that we engage in, that are fueled or rooted in attachment, aversion, and delusion. If they were just within our own mind, and we weren't acting them out, would be bad enough. But it's because we act them out that we cause so much suffering, so much additional suffering to ourselves and to each other. And you only have to look at the front page of any news magazine or newspaper any day, anywhere in the world, and you see a catalog of defilements and the danger that they cause. The amazing thing, or maybe one thing to remember about the defilements or the torments of the mind is that they are always accompanied by delusion. Always accompanied by delusion. Meaning that we just don't see things clearly. 
We just don't see things accurately. We don't understand. And therefore, the defilements take root in the mind, and we believe them. We enjoy them. We assume that they're me, who I am, that we, we give them credibility. And it is because of that very power of delusion that Sayadaw Tejaniya says, they will laugh at you if you don't take them seriously. Delusion has two flavors, really. And the first is the ignorance of just not knowing. Now, we've all experienced this today. When the mind wanders off and you pretend to be sitting here mindful, (laughs) and the mind wanders off into la-la land, the past, the future, somewhere else, some other time, and there's no awareness. You have no idea what the mind is doing. Totally ignorant of what's going on. Right? It's not very hard to, to, to acknowledge that this is pretty obvious. But it's clear that it takes awareness or mindfulness to overcome that kind of ignorance. Because when we're mindful... When there's awareness in the mind, we're not lost in la-la land. But there's another kind of delusion that is a little more subtle, maybe more pervasive, a little more difficult to see. And it's not that we don't see the present moment's experience but it's that we understand it wrongly. We see what's going on visually, but we misunderstand it. We have a misbelief about it. And this form of delusion, mindfulness doesn't really address that. It's insight knowledge or insightfully seeing the way things are that overcomes this level of delusion. So delusion is both ignorance and misbelief, if you will. And when this ignorance or misbelief is accompanied by attachment of any kind, craving, longing, attachment, being identified with, wanting, desire, when delusion is accompanied by any of these forms of attachment, it is attachment that causes us to see only the pleasant aspect of what we're looking at. You can look at someone when there's desire in the mind and they just look, well, perfect. (laughs) They look like the one for you. And you see what's good about them, what's pleasant about them. However, when delusion is accompanied by aversion, some form of pushing away or resistance to experience, aversion causes the mind to see only the unpleasant aspect of what is being seen. And so the same person can sit up here 
And if desire's in your mind and you look, you think, oh, that's, that's really pleasant, that's really nice, that's, that's pretty agreeable. And a moment later, when aversion arises in your mind, if it's not seen, you look at the same person or the same event or the same object and you think, oh. And we believe it both times. That's the power of delusion. We believe wrongly and we totally err into it. And then we act on those mistaken beliefs and we cause all kinds of mayhem in the world and in our life. Now, in general, we should understand that the defilements are very frequent visitors to the mind. They are just recurrent visitors to the mind. And you, I'm sure you've cataloged many of them today, many of their visits today. You know, whether it's impatience or frustration or disappointment or desire or wanting or longing or yearning or depression or anxiety or restlessness or sleepiness or doubt or confusion, bewilderment. And the list is, well, not quite endless, but nearly. They've become so habitual or they recur, they arise so frequently, it is as if they have become our personality. And it's quite often we categorize someone as being, oh, they're, they're really an angry person. They're really a jealous person. They're really a desire-filled person. They're really a, you know, they're an impatient person. And we just, well, we globalize and eternalize a recurring momentary perception and solidify around that, solidify a sense of ourself around that. And we become, or others become, in our view, a fixed entity characterized by their predominant and prevailing recurring defilement. They appear to be in that situation or with that kind of identification, they appear to be the very essence of who I am, me. They're mine. It's my state of mind. It's my habit. It's my personality. And we get very identified and we, we claim ownership of these, well, as the Buddha said, visitors to the mind. When the defilements are present, they prohibit us from living our life fully. They limit what we can experience of life. And they just hinder our practice in meditation, as you've seen, to the extent that we get entangled in the defilements. Our meditation is just a struggle, and it's just unfun, and we really don't make much progress. When the defilements have that kind of grip on the mind, we really won't find peace and happiness in our life. But we should understand that these defilements are also part of the Dhamma. 
the Dharma is, you know, the way things are. The way things have come to be is the Dharma. And the way things unfold due to causes and conditions is the Dharma. These arising of the defilements is no accident. They arise due to causes and conditions. They obey the laws of cause and effect. And so they are part of the Dharma. In our investigation, through awareness training of the way things are, it is quite natural that we are going to come upon and spend considerable time with the defilements. So it is a natural phenomena of the mind. There's nothing unnatural about them. Just as when you throw a ball in the air and it comes back to earth, it's not unnatural, it's due to the law of, the natural law of gravity. We don't think that there's something wrong with the ball. We understand that it's, it's operating under the laws of cause and effect. So too, when we understand the defilements and the arising of phenomena in the mind, we see that, well, it's due to causes and conditions operating under the law of karma, cause and effect. This is why they arise. It's really not personal to you. So these are the defilements. Now, today we've all experienced the defilements of some sort, to some degree, and we know they're irritating, they're bothersome, they're a problem, they're not nice to us. But the Buddha said, when they visit the mind, they cause suffering. Every time, or at any time, you are suffering. You are upset. You are irritated. You are frustrated. This what Whenever you aren't totally content, at ease, peaceful, relaxed, there's defilements in the mind. It is a visitor to the mind that is causing whatever misery, whatever unhappiness you experience today and every day. That's how bad they are. Bad in the sense of they make us unhappy. They cause us to suffer. They cause us to be you know, anxious and fretful and distressed. When tormented mental states arise as the cause, they condition unpleasant results as the effect. And the unpleasant results appear in the mind as disagreeableness, tension, distress, stress. And the unpleasant effects appear in the body as pain, tension, agitation, All of our agitation, all of our frustration, all of our distressing states of mind, the result of defilements. If we pretend, if we avoid, if we deny, if we minimize, if we try to skirt 
the issue of the defilements, we only strengthen them. Defilements thrive on denial. When they're not observed and they're not understood, defilements grow. They grow in the dark. When the mind is dark, defilements grow. But we should be clear that we can be, relatively speaking, present in our life and still be filled, the mind can still be filled with defilements. For example, I grew up with an alcoholic father. It was the only father I had, the only one I knew. I saw that he drank alcohol. I knew that. I mean, if anybody said, does your father drink alcohol? Yes. But I did not understand the consequences of that, both in his life and in my life. So while there was a general awareness of, oh yeah, he drinks, there was no understanding of what that meant, what that really, how that impacted his life, my life, many people's lives. And so just being aware in a general way about the experience of the moment or the experience of your life, the way it's going, as most people are, doesn't really address the defilements. I mean, if you walk just down to Barrie or in your hometown or where you live and you ask somebody, are you aware? You know, they're walking down the street, you know. Are you aware you're walking down the street? They're going to think you're a nut. Because, of course, they're aware they're walking down the street. But not really. They're aware in a general way, but not in a mindfully insightful way. And so we want to be careful not to be too casual in our own practice. Generally aware, but not insightfully understanding what is being known. At another time, I was practicing in Burma in the monastery and I'd been doing retreats like this for 10 years already. And I was in the monastery and I was practicing and I'd been practicing for a year or two like this every day. And I remember the time and where I was, in which direction I was walking, in a hallway on the backside of the dormitory where I was staying. And I was walking, and I saw something in my mind I had never seen before. Self-pity. I never saw, I, I was always confident and, you know, very carefree and seemingly carefree and confident in in my life. And yet, in a moment, I saw how often I got caught in a voice in my mind that said, oh, poor me. And then it added some footnote. I can't do this because I'm too old, I'm too stupid. I did too many drugs. I didn't do enough drugs. (laughs) Whatever. 
And there's just all kinds of explanations and reasons and justification for the oh, poor me. I never saw it until that moment. And once I saw it, I realized how frequent this visitor had been to the mind. And I saw then, and I I realize now, how extraordinarily difficult it is to see the habits of the mind. We can look and look and look, and it can be as plain as day to others, and we don't see it in our own mind until we develop the penetrating power of mind, of powerful awareness, that can, well, cut through the illusions, delusions, confusions, and explanations that justify being who we think we are. It just takes a penetrating, sharp, laser-like sharpness of the mind to cut through delusion. The defilements appear in the mind in across the whole spectrum of defilements. The grossest forms are when, well, we don't know they're a defilement, some state of mind. We don't know it's a defilement. We don't even know that it's present. We're just caught in it, acting it out with reckless and full abandonment. No awareness. And we're acting it out in a way that causes ourselves and others a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. We call these the transgressive defilements because when we act them out, we transgress against others. We act in a way that causes harm. This is extraordinarily dangerous because through the energy and the intention and the repetition of not knowing, and we act out this state of mind, we're we're just adding layers and layers and layers of karma, unwholesome karma, sure to be experienced as unpleasant results. And we do it with no second thoughts, no regret, full energy, and enjoyment. All of which contribute to even greater unpleasantness in the result. Sila, or practicing the precepts as we do here, is the practice to begin to get a handle on this level of defilement. Watch your speech, watch your behavior, watch how you treat other beings, and just really keep an eye on what, well, in ordinary society is taken for granted as being okay. It's okay to kill all kinds of animals. It's okay to act out your sexuality in ways that, hey, if, if, you, if you agree, if, if you want to, go ahead. And, and it's okay to take drugs. It's not, no, what's the problem? Take all you want. It's only you. Well, really? My father thought it was okay. He didn't think it was affecting me. In our delusion, 
in our unknowing, we don't see the consequences. And we cause harm. Harm that we don't see. A second degree of defilements is when we're not really acting them out blindly, and we may even know that, you know, greed and anger and frustration or impatience, pride, we may know, oh, this, this is something to be aware of. This is something to be a little bit careful about. And yet, while we may not be acting them out blindly, the mind is filled with the wish to. You know, we're, the mind is filled with fear or agitation or desire or jealousy. And we want to say and we want to do and we want to act it out, but we have some restraint and we, we, are, we don't act it out against others. But still, our mind is tortured. And we all know that. I mean, we all have some degree, a lot actually, let's face it, we all have a lot of uh, training. We all have a lot of awareness of what's right and wrong. And in fact, we often know more than we're willing to admit and act on of what's right and wrong. And yet, we can't get it out of the mind. You know, we, we, when we get angry, we get self-righteously angry. It's like, I'm angry, and I should be angry. Maybe I know enough not to dump it on you, but we justify it. Well, who's suffering? You have to ask yourself, who's suffering with this state of mind? You know? There's a third level of defilement called the latent or the kind of the unactivated defilements. It is the potential in the mind to respond to conditions with a defiled state of mind. They're, they're just lying latent in the mind. Maybe right now conditions are okay in your life. You're not caught in acting them out or even obsessing too much. But the time might come. Conditions might change. And when they do, we just act out. Carol was speaking about her visit to the camp in um, Germany and how ordinary people, ordinary good people, due to very changed conditions in their life, act out in ways that they probably never thought they would. Are we beyond that yet? If you know that these mind bombs are just lying latent in the mind, and we can't control conditions, we don't know what's going to happen in our society or our culture or our town or, you know, throughout the remainder of our life. And these little bumlets are just kind of planted in the mind, waiting for a careless step. And then we're taken over again by that which is going to cause us and others tremendous suffering. That's how bad and how pervasive and how subtle the danger of the defilements really are. 
okay, got it. Defilements, not good. Pretty, pretty recurring, pretty present. How do I work with these things anyway? I mean, because we're here, we see them, we want to work with them, we want to be able to get a handle on them, we want to not be just victimized by them. Don't you? I mean, really, once you get a, a good look at the mind, you know what the work is. The work is get a handle on this. And it's not easy. So there's three things that are needed to work effectively with the defilements. And the first is we need information, we need to use our intelligence, and we need to gain insight. The information we need is we need to hear that defilements exist, that they cause this kind of suffering. And we need to have them pointed out because, well, we won't see them. It takes, as I said, a tremendous, tremendously powerful mind to see the harm of the defilements. And so to have them pointed out in all their varieties, while it's kind of oppressive just to even hear it, at least we're hearing about them. At least we're being alerted to the fact that there's something to pay attention to here. Whether we want to or not, or whether we can or not, at least we're being told. And also to hear of the danger to have some knowledge, to begin to believe that the defilements are dangerous. And then we need to practice awareness. As I mentioned, we can live with the defilements, but if we don't have awareness, we're not going to see them. And so through the practice of awareness, we begin to just pay attention to our very ordinary, mundane, very human experiences. And in time, you will discover the defilements. What's so challenging is to recognize them. You know, when you get upset, when you feel anxious, or you feel afraid, or you feel angry, don't you know that you're angry? Don't you know that you're upset? Don't you know that you're afraid? Yeah, we do. But that's not mindfulness. That's really being caught and indulging in it. Mindfulness requires that we recognize this state of mind objectively. We recognize, oh, this this state of mind, you know, not me, my mind, it's like, oh, this state of mind is what is being known. Oh, anger is being known. Frustration is being known. And there's the beginning of this movement away from just a subjective indulgence, balancing that with a little objective understanding. And until you can objectify and recognize this state of mind as something other than you. Mindfulness hasn't started. Just being aware that you're angry and walking around in a stomping old anger or or impatient and walking around impatiently, that's not mindfulness. It's this ability to kind of step back a little bit and say, wow, wow. You kind of just 
begin the disentangling of the sense of yourself with this state of mind. So recognition or recognizing is the first step in working with, with any of the defilements. And it, that is, it's a pretty steep step, actually, to begin to have the clear perception of what this state of mind is rather than just indulging in it and being identified with it. The second shift in relationship to the defilement is once it is recognized as a state of mind that has arisen, that is ready to take over and cause you to act out, and you recognize it, the tendency is to get very, very judgmental, self-judgmental, to condemn yourself for being angry or to get you know, irritated or you know, to, to think that you're a bad person. And that just creates more tension in the mind. It makes the mind very tense to try to get away from the defilement. It's quite natural. They're so unpleasant. They're so unsatisfying. They're so painful to experience. We just want to get rid of them. But that's the wrong movement. Because to try to get rid of them creates more tension in the mind. And trying to get rid of something is more aversion. So the second step or shift in relationship with the defilements is to relax. Just relax. To relax and acknowledge, this is the way it is right now. This is the way it is for me. This is the way things have come to be due to causes and conditions. And to relax, to, to relax the body, relax the mind, relax the judgment, relax the effort to get rid of it. So now you recognize it, you relax. And in that relaxation, or I should say the knowledge that allows you to relax, is to understand this is the way it is due to causes and conditions. And secondly, it is a deeply conditioned habit. It's not who I really am. We're not that way all the time. And it's important to know that, to, to have that understanding about the defilements. And thirdly, to know that if the causes are removed, the effect will disappear. If the causes that give rise to the defilements are removed, the defilement disappears. The primary cause of the defilements is delusion. If we cultivate awareness, then the primary causal condition for the defilements, delusion, is gone. It is pure mindfulness, pure awareness that is the key. It is the doorway. It is the, it is the lock. It is the key that unlocks the defilement from tormenting you. Once we can recognize and we relax, we then need to use our intelligence and really understand that, okay, here's this defilement, it has arisen to just try to get rid of it 
with aversion is not going to help things at all. But we also need to be careful not to act it out. So we need to exercise some restraint. And the restraint can take many forms. We can just turn away from the defilement. Sometimes we can just say, whoa, this is a little too much. This is a little too, this is overwhelming. I can't deal with this right now. And turn your attention to some other neutral object, some other, some sound, some other sensation in the body, some other uh, reflection in the mind. If you have a tremendous amount of anger or some form of aversion, you can practice loving kindness as an antidote. Or you can, if you're feeling really raging, blaming somebody, you can practice forgiveness. You can reflect on forgiveness as a way of continuing the mindfulness, but not being overwhelmed by the defilement. So this is a way to exercise some restraint, not acting out the defilement through exercising restraint. Then we need to correctly apply the right understanding of the defilements to the defilement. We need to reframe our experience because so often when any of the defilements arise in our practice, we think, or we assume, I can't practice now. I'm too upset. I'm too fearful. I'm too depressed. I'm too sleepy. I'm too angry. I'm too agitated. And we think that. I've got to wait till I get rid of this, then I can practice. That's the wrong understanding. These states of mind, these very unpleasant, unsatisfactory, defiling, harmful states of mind, they are the very experience upon which to develop your awareness. This is an important understanding. It's not that we get rid of the defilements in order to practice well. It's we work with the defilements, which is practicing well. So in With that understanding, welcome them. I mean, you don't have to invite them in if they're not there yet. If they're just knocking on the door and you can keep the door closed, okay. But if they're in the door, they got one foot in the door and they're in the mind, it's like, okay, let me work with this. Let me just really check it out. And we can do that if we have the correct understanding about how to work with them or that working with them is the way to really understand them or to uh, neutralize their harming effect. And one way to reframe your understanding or the wrong understanding of them is to remember that the defilements are a natural activity of the mind. They arise due to causes and conditions. They're not accidental. And because they are deeply conditioned, repeatedly conditioned, hundreds of thousands of times they have arisen without us seeing them. Be patient. Be patient. They're not going to go away, you know, anytime soon. And so be willing to see them every time they come up. Be patient with them. Be patient with the 
the depth of conditioning that gives them such free access to the mind. But we also want to remember that they're just a visitor. They don't own the house. <laughs> they don't own your mind. They're just visiting. And so be persi- being persistent pays off if you are persistently aware of them they have to retreat because it is awareness that undermines their ability to take hold of the mind. So be patient, be persistent. As Sayadaw Tejaniya says, as long as you are aware of the defilements, you're practicing well. He didn't say, as long as you get rid of the defilements, you're practicing well. As long as you are aware of them when they arise, that's practicing well. So we recognize the defilements. We relax, not adding another layer of aversion to try to push them away. We exercise some restraint in not acting them out. And then we reframe our understanding. This is the very place to practice. When we do that, we begin to gain insight into the nature of the defilement. And we should understand that when we observe any of these defilements, we are learning about the nature of them, although it feels very personal. It feels like my anger, my fear, my jealousy, my shame, my humiliation, Given those conditions, anyone would experience the same thing. It's not personal. And so if we understand that when we observe the experience of fear, we're really coming to understand the nature of fear. Fear arises due to causes and conditions. If we pay attention to fear, how it manifests, how it conditions certain feelings and sensations in the body, how it conditions the kinds of thoughts you have, how it conditions your expectation of the future or your anticipation of the future. And when you see how fear manipulates the mind, you come to understand, oh, this is the very nature of fear. This is what fear does. Or this is what desire attachment does. This is what jealousy does. This is what depression does. There's a huge difference between being depressed, thinking about your depression or thinking depressing thoughts and being aware of depression. Huge difference. And it isn't until we are practicing awareness of the defilement, whether it's depression or fear or jealousy, that we really begin to understand its nature. And this is through the, you know, the practice of awareness. We just investigate with sincere interest, with no other motivation than to just know this experience fully, that we begin to really understand the power and the nature of any, all of the defilements. Asaito Utejaniya says, the mind is not yours.
but you're responsible for it. When something arises in the mind due to causes and conditions that are not yours, you have to do something with it. And he says, don't try to avoid objects and experiences. Rather, try to avoid getting entangled in the defilements with them. Experience happens. We don't know what's coming next. We can't avoid everything that's unpleasant. We can't only seek what's pleasant, and maybe that wouldn't be so good for us anyway. But rather, seek to not get entangled in what arises in a defiled way. If and when we can establish a clear awareness of the, what would you call it, the kind of the pixels of this defiled state of mind, the physical, mental, emotional, cognitive stuff that gets all glommed together into this upsetness, this emotional storm that's kind of blowing through, hopefully through, not just staying. When we can see all the pixels of all the physical, mental, emotional stuff that goes into it, we begin to understand something really significant. And we understand it not because we've figured it out, not because we've analyzed it, not because we've been told it and we now seek to confirm it, but because it dawns on us. This understanding dawns, brightens or appears in the mind. This experience doesn't last very long. I know we use general language and say, I was irritated all day. I was impatient all day. Impossible. And if you look closely, you'll see all the gaps when you weren't. And that's essential. To really see when are you caught in a defilement and when aren't you. And when you're paying that close attention, you will see that these defiled states of mind, when you're actively cultivating an interested awareness of them, they can't last. They do not last long. And when they're gone, for that moment, and possibly recurring moments, the mind is free of defilement. The mind is no longer suffering. It is so important to really not globalize, generalize, or eternalize these momentary perceptions of fear, impatience, judgment, anger, and to really see how quickly they dissolve from the mind and leave the mind alone. And there's an awareness. They're just being present with some other experience. The second thing that we understand about these uh, defilements is that they're very unsatisfactory. They're all really bothersome. They're all really unpleasant. They're all really burdensome. Sometimes, you know, when we get angry and we get self-righteously angry, we think it's okay to be. Well, we haven't really seen how not okay it is. Not because somebody's sitting in judgment and saying, you shouldn't be angry, but it's because you feel for yourself, you know for yourself, you understand 
through your own insight, this is really not satisfactory. Whether it's sleepiness or doubt or fear, anxiety, panic, even the subtle, subtler states of mind, pride. Defilements come in all flavors, some that we think are good. So we need to be very alert to what causes the mind to suffer. And the third understanding that dawns in the mind is we see that these states of mind that cause us so much suffering, and they seem so huge, they seem so substantial, and they just feel like a massive albatross hanging around our heart or our back is really, it's just an insubstantial whiff in the mind. It's just a whiff. And when we are willing to spend time with the defilements and see them for what they really are, we will understand this. They are totally insubstantial. When they're seen, we see how ephemeral, evanescent, insubstantial they are. When they're not seen, they feel solid and oppressive and eternal. What we're doing here is cultivating awareness. With this knowledge that you have of the defilements and with your understanding of how to practice awareness, you can see all this. You too can see and understand. And it is the understanding of the defilements that removes them from the mind. Mindfulness can temporarily put them aside. But to deeply understand them has the power to uproot them from the mind, where the tendency or the habit of resorting to this state of mind no longer arises. It's possible. It's possible to you know, clear the mind of these mind bombs, these minefields, mind minds. It's just sweep your mind through insight <coughs> and remove the potential to resort to these defiled state of mind. This is the direction our practice is taking us. But it takes practice. And that's what we're doing here. Coming to know, to recognize, to be willing to work with, to understand correctly, and then to see for ourselves insightfully, oh, this is the way it is. <coughs> and this is the way to temporarily put them aside. And this is the way to uproot them from the mind. In conclusion, I'd like to mention that Saito Tejaniya says, only when you're able to recognize, understand, and disidentify from the defilements will wisdom grow. It's not you who removes the defilements. Wisdom does that job. And when your understanding of the true nature of things grows, 
your values in life will change. And when your values change, your priorities will change as well. And through such understanding, you will naturally practice more. And this will help you to do well in life. Let's sit for a moment and let the words settle down. It's not you who removes the defilements. It's the wisdom of understanding that does that job. Thank you for listening to the Dhamma. about 35 minutes for continued awareness practice of your own choice. And at nine o'clock, we'll come back for uh, evening sitting, at the end of which we'll have the sharing of the merit and the chanting of the sharing of the merit. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.